0: Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D.
1: Graham.
2: Bonnie D. in the house, thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure, that wonderful voice that gets us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. and this is a very special show, but I never remember whether I said this is the future of now or that's the future of now. So we're just going to go up in the air. This is a very special show for many reasons, but a couple of them you will hear in my intro. I'd like to think of myself as a pretty good writer after all these years of writing for various companies and newsletters and what we used to call brochures and white papers, anybody still do that? I don't know if anybody writes them or who in the world reads them anymore. We're all in this quick, quick, quick soundbite world. However, I took my intro and I poured it into ChatGPT today. And I said to myself, What am I willing to take the chance that it might write a better intro for today's show than I did? And Tom and Chuck and Nancy and Bob and Eric and Mary all have been on the show with me before. And this is such a special show. I said to them, join me for something a little bit different, and I'll tell you why. So let's hear what ChatGPT has to say about the opening. All right, everybody, this is a little bit more lively than usual, so just get over it. Chuck, you're paying attention. Chuck likes this. Rise and shine, fellow aficionados of the techno-tango. Oh, my. <laughs> Nancy, hold on to yourself. As the digital confetti rains down upon us, we proudly strut our stuff. To mark, here it comes, the 201st jam-packed episode of Technology Revolution, the Future of Now Radio. Everybody, applause. 201. Wow. And I'll tell you, it's a lot more than that. It's more like a 1,000. But hold on to your AI-powered hats. Everybody hold on to your hat because that's not all. We've also rocketed our way to a dazzling number six, Eric, can you stand this? We've rocketed our way to a dazzling number six spot on Feedspot's top 70 technology podcast to listen to in 2013 chart. Move over, Taylor and Justin. You can figure out who Justin is. The real stars are taking the stage. Now we present an exquisite concoction of intelligence-infused flavors, a symphony of experts. Mary, do you ever think you're a symphony of experts? A fusion of genius minds. Bob, we're talking to you. A (laughs) grand potluck of visionaries from every corner of the professional realm. I know it's schmaltzy, but I love it. We're talking about a smorgasbord, a cornucopia, a veritable melting pot of futurists, each with their unique spice, sprinkling nuggets of wisdom and predictions around our topic, the future of anything And the wondrous realm of AI. I'm almost done. You're going to love this next part here. Uh, But that's not all. We embarked on a cinematic treasure hunt. You know I love movie quotes for nuggets of AI wisdom. And did we hit the jackpot? Behold, our top three favorite movie quotes about AI served with a side of movie magic. Number one was from the movie AI Artificial Intelligence, 2001. I am. I was. I will be. Number two was from the movie Her, 2013. Remember Scarlett Johansson's voice of Samantha, the enchanting I-O-O-S. Here we go. The DNA of who I am is a cocktail blended from the minds of countless programmers, but my pizzazz comes from my ability to grow through life's quirks. So in every moment, I'm the real-time version of Madonna's evolution. Wow. I didn't even remember that line from the movie. Hello. And the last one is from the movie Transcendence, 2014. For 130,000 years, we humans have been pretty much the same, but AI, oh boy, it's like a cosmic hotshot. Destined to shoot past us with the speed of a caffeinated cheetah. Soon its brain power will make Einstein look like an abacus wielder. Seriously? That's what it told me. So here we go. <laughs> Wave when I call your name if you're not too embarrassed. You don't you can't leave now, it's too late. If your appetite for wisdom is not satiated yet, we've summoned The creme de la creme of brains. Eric Simone, you're the first creme de la creme. Simone, wave hello. Tom Madonna, you're the second creme de la creme. Mary Nunley, wave third. Chuck Byers, fourth. Bob Ficken. And I I don't know how it came up with this, but we're calling you the ever-astute Nancy Schick. It just decided to give you an extra adjective there. These luminaries will whip up their own predictions about the future of anything in AI. It's a soiree of intellect, a fete, a foresight, a smorgasbord of sagacity. And you're cordially invited to stick around for the next fifty-five minutes. So there you have it. We're presenting you with a symphony of tech talk served with a dash of wit and a sprinkle of business pizzazz. Let the festivities begin. Anybody want to clap for ChatGPT? I thought that was pretty cool beans. What'd you think? Tom, can you give us a little. Eric, come on, put those hands oh. together we can do that. So let's get started. You've all been on my show so many times, but I did the math this morning and I'm thinking there might be just, I don't know, 12.3 people in the world who don't remember all of you or any of you. So talk to those 12.3. We're going to do a two minute bio because we have a lot to talk about and we'll take pictures after. So don't go away. Eric, Samoan, you are up first, my friend. So why don't you give a two minute Would for refresh people? What do you do and why are you here? Talk to me.
3: Sure. My name's Eric Simone. Uh, I'm CEO and founder of a company called Clearblade based in Austin, Texas. We are an IoT and edge AI software company. Been around 16 years at this point. Uh, Basically connecting devices and doing AI at the edge all over the world. Uh, Chuck earlier mentioned oil and gas. We're working with big oil and gas, doing that uh, at drill sites. Uh, we work with uh, Japanese robots, uh, emotional support ro- robots. We work with uh, transportation, a lot of transportation, right? So uh, this whole IoT world has been uh, transforming pretty rapidly the last few years and, and software is coming to the forefront and we're one of the companies that's leading that revolution. So uh, it's great to be on your show and talk about a bit about AI and what we're seeing in the industry.
2: Thank you so much, Eric. Let's go to Tom Madonna. Welcome back, Tom. Vroom, vroom, my car guy. Tom, talk to me. Quick Thanks. introduction. Go ahead.
4: Thanks, Bonnie. Tom Madonna, VP, SAP Americas, uh, responsible for our service lines uh, in regards to uh, service industries. Also, uh, in the past, uh, was the auto guy. Uh, still uh, love the uh, the integration. Um, I think a lot of the direction that uh, the company is taking is, genitive AI integration into the business suite. So what can we do faster, better, making people more efficient, making people uh, uh, less uh, routine? And then uh, as that integration goes through and the the business learnings and IoT and machine learnings interact, um, how are we able to take those trivial as well as mundane tasks out of the process uh, and or uh, expedite uh, the process to uh, make it more efficient?
2: I like the word expedite. Thank you very much. Um, great to have you back. Mary Nunley, you're up next. Our Lavender Dragon. Talk to us. Introduce hello, again.
5: Hello, hello. I'm Mary Nunley, co-founder of the Lavender Dragon team. We are an instructional design and video creation agency working with companies to bring their course content, especially for employees, to life. Um, always been involved in tech. Love following the future of what's going on. Just co-wrote a course on prompt engineering for attorneys with a client. and. It was quite an eye-opener because of all the other you know, confidentialities, issues, and things like that, but I really just love playing with technology. I was introducing faculty to Web 2.0 things 20 years ago, and now I'm introducing the world to generative AI, and the more things change, the more it stays the same, so happy to be here. <laughs>
2: plus, change plus la même chose, my, one of my favorite French quotes. Thank you very much, Mary. Let's go to Chuck Byers. You're up, Chuck. Welcome back.
0: Uh, Thanks, and thanks for having me, Bonnie, and hi to all of our listeners live and recorded. I'm Chuck Byers. I'm the Chief Technical Officer of the Industry IoT Consortium, which is a a collection of uh, 100 or so member companies, very interested in digital transformation, trustworthy internet of things, cybersecurity, and artificial intelligence and its applications to sort of real uh, industrial kinds of vertical market applications. Um, Before that, I worked at a company called Valkyrie, which makes drone package delivery systems. I worked at Cisco for 10 years, and I was a Bell Labs fellow for Alcatel Lucent. I have 135 U.S. patents. Uh, What's juicing me recently is what it means as uh, computerization and what we call digital transformation is starting to find its tendrils deeper and deeper into the systems that we rely on. Uh, Many good things and a few bad things come from that penetration of digital technology into every aspect of our life. And uh, my job at IIC as I see it is to try to make sure that the good things and the good guys win in the inevitable struggles that happen with any new technology as transformative as AI.
2: Thank you very much. I love you the use of the verb juicing, what's juicing me right now. That was a new one for me. I've got to write that down. Somebody write that down, please. By the way, Chuck, we are live streaming and people are seeing you talking on LinkedIn and Facebook right now, not just listening on the Voice America Business Channel. Let's go next to Bob Ficken. Bob, welcome back. Let's hear from you.
1: Great to be here, Bonnie. I've been uh, the founder of AskHR.com for about 20 years. I've been an HR leader for quite a few years and I've been a university professor for almost 30 years now. I teach courses like leadership, ethics, organizational behavior, you name it, I've done it. In addition to that, I am very excited about AI. I wasn't familiar with juicing or I would have stolen it from Chuck, but (laughs) (laughs) what I'm excited about is AI in education and in HR, both of my uh, professional backgrounds. I can't wait till we get to the point in time where a student in school can actually watch Lincoln give the Gettysburg Address instead of read it in a book.
2: Thank you very much, Bob. Appreciate that. Bob was very early today. I said the early bird didn't have any worms for him to catch, but he and I visited a little bit and I gave him a little preview of my opening this morning. So there you go. Nancy Schick, you're up next. Talk to us. I think a couple people have touched on some things, especially Mary did, I think, of what you do. So Nancy, reintroduce, please, and welcome back.
6: So I'm Nancy Schick of 30 Year Conflict Resolution. My firm takes a holistic approach to resolving workplace disputes. I am an employment attorney and mediator licensed in New York, but um, I'm also Title IX certified, so I work um, at the federal level in various workplace disputes as well. Um, just had my 20th anniversary in June, my law practice, so that was a big deal for us. and. Um, yeah, we're, I'm looking at the AI and, and, you know, the conflicts that can arise in the workplace because of primarily people losing their jobs, but I see nothing but opportunity. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's as you know, Bonnie, I'm, a, I'm an eternal optimist, and maybe I need that optimism, but I think, you know, it's going to give us opportunities to work smarter and use some of the most human parts of our, our skill sets
2: couldn't have said it better nancy and i met many years ago in manhattan when i was living in new york and she was in she's still in new york Uh, i met some of her colleagues at the national publicity summit and ended up meeting nancy and having lunch with three very very interesting ladies and kept touch with them over the years and when i needed somebody for a comment for a, a show on workplace rights and law i thought of nancy so there she is she may be the only have i met any of you in person face-to-face anybody besides Nancy I don't think so and let me do one more piece of level set in my opening I said that this is the 201st episode of technology revolution the future of now that just dates back to 2019 when the show took on that title I'm ducking down this was originally coffee break with game changers and Tom knows who sponsored that one that I started back on October 5th 2011 I was working for SAP at the time, and that was the beginning of my concept of thought leadership, round table radio. 2011, October 5th, was also the day that one of the major innovators in the world of tech, steve jobs passed away on that day so i've never forgotten the day of the first show but when the show was ranked recently by feedspot as number six on its top 70 technology podcast you must listen to you should listen to you have to listen to in 2013 i embellished a little bit there but not too far uh, they go back to the opening of this show the genesis of it in 2011 it's actually listed on the site so they're counting all of these years and I want to thank the audience around the world who stuck with me and and let me bring my unique version of getting smart people to talk without selling anything. There you go. So let's go around the table. You know, we love quotes. And I have asked my six guests, since they've been on with me before, not to send a brand new quote, but let's use the quote you used in your latest appearance on this show. And I'm going to read the quote with a little tiny bit of background and ask you to relate it to our topic of the future of anything or everything an AI. So Eric, Themoni, I'm learning to pronounce your name after all these years. I can't believe you let me get away with it without pronouncing it right. Thank you very much. He is quoting Vito Corleone played by the one and only late great Marlon Brando. The movie, of course, the Godfather 1972 American crime film. I don't need to read the details because we all know about that. Here is the quote. I have learned more in the streets than in any classroom. Eric, how does this relate to our topic? Go ahead.
3: Well, first the Simone E obviously is Italian heritage. So you got to tie that in, right? <laughs> um, but look, I believe in the promise of AI. I'm an mm. optimist. I love what AI is doing. I love where it's going to go, but I believe more in the human experience. I believe more in what it is to be human that we cannot define. So uh, what I learned in the streets, and again, all the education I've had, I still have learned more by experience than by that education. All the math in the world, all the data sets in the world are going to enhance the human experience, but it's not going to take over what it is to be human. I have a son I just dropped off at university for his first year. He's a fantastic musician. And yes, AI is going to create music, but AI is not going to have the soul to play and create music that truly moves human beings. So that's my time.
2: I love that. Thank you very much. Very, very well put. We do want to emphasize the humans. Last night, none of you are an avatar, are you? you? You're all real? Everybody just pin, pinch, pinch your cheek and see if you go out. That way I'll know if you're you're yeah. real. Bob and pinch your cheek. There we go. Are you real? You're real. Bob doesn't want to pinch his cheek. There we go. Okay, that's the only test I can think of otherwise. Something else for radio. My
3: back tells me I'm not an avatar. Trust me. <laughs>
2: I'll join you on that one. Thank you, Eric Simone. Tom Madonna, you have picked up one of our most classic quotes from the show. It's from base commander Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, USMC, played by, again, the one and only. This time it's Jack Nicholson, A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama based on Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play. Very interesting. And uh, the story, backstory of that is Sorkin wrote the notes when he was bartending at the Palace Theater on Broadway. He wrote notes for this on a cocktail napkin, on many of them. He and his roommates bought a Macintosh 512K, and after work, he typed the notes into the computer, and they were the basis for the play, which was the basis for the movie. The quote, of course, Thomas picked is, you can't handle the truth. Tom, two minutes. What does this have to do with our topic?
4: Well, it's interesting, and been doing some research on this study. And I didn't realize we had as many professors on the on the uh, call as, as we do. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, teach uh, predictive analytics uh, using our database. But uh, interesting enough, uh, if you if you go back and look, you know, one of the first generative AI programs built was uh, Alpha Zero, and Alpha Zero to that point uh, had not uh, done the direction of, of going after a game. And so when we talk about Big Blue, et cetera, Big Blue was was built to just build a particular game chest. Um, Alpha Zero was given one line of code, which was, "Don't lose, at all cost." To date, over a thousand games played against Big Blue, it's not lost, but it sacrificed every single thing on the table, minus the king. It's won 170 of the 1, thousand plus. And it's tied the remaining portions of them. So when you start talking about uh, being human and the execution, you know what's happened with everything else that's happened in the world is something that's good can be corrupted. Something that basically we think about that we have morales, the computer does not. So as we start to think about this technology and applying this technology, compliance, security, cyber, all are going to be pieces we have to be have to look at and continue to do. So can't handle the truth. It's both sides. It's going to be good, and there's going to be some bad. And we've got to be able to to deal with both in a business ethic, human directional way.
2: Very eloquent, sir. Thank you, Mr. Madonna. I appreciate that. Very well put. Mary Nunley, let's go to you. This is a quote from the Tenth Doctor played by the actor David Tennant. Two ends in the middle. Doctor Who, British sci-fi TV series, Series 4, Episode 8, that aired on May 31st, 2008 on BBC One. The episode was titled Silence in the Library. I'm just going to read the quote. You want weapons? We're in a library. Books are the best weapons in the world. This room's the greatest arsenal we could have. Arm yourself. Mary, love the quote. Relate it, please.
5: Sure. So again, similar to what Eric and Tom have said about the human touch and the analytics and all of that, we still need that human touch. We still need those pieces of information from the past. And when I think about David Tennant in the library with the books, we've got all this wisdom of all the people that came before us. And the more things change, as I said earlier, the more they stay the same. But in order to prepare, instead of freaking out over AI, as I sometimes see people doing, look at history, look at how people have gone through great changes throughout the ages and learn from that and apply it to what we're going through now because the tech is changing, but the human experience really hasn't.
2: Very, very interesting, thank you. Isn't it interesting how the quotes you pick from shows, some of these go back several months, still are so applicable? So well-defined for our topic today. Let's go to Chuck Byers. Chuck has sent a long quote. It's a lyric from a song, a Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Well, Nancy, that covers it all, doesn't it? <laughs> song by Warren Zevon, on Excitable Boy 1978 album. It was covered by Rick Derringer on his 78 album, If I Weren't So Romantic I'd Shoot You, by Meatloaf, by The Wallflowers, etc., and even Hank Williams, Jr. Here's the line. I was gambling in Havana. I took a little risk. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dad, get me out of this. Ha! I'm the innocent bystander. Somehow I got stuck between the rock and a hard place, and I'm down on my luck. Yes, I'm down on my luck. Well, I'm down on my luck, and I'm riding in—I'm sorry, I'm hiding in Honduras. I'm a desperate man. Send lawyers, guns, and money. The S-H blank T has hit the fan. Trying to keep it clean here. Chuck, help me out. What does this have to do with our topic? This is a conundrum.
0: Uh, there's a, there's a couple of dimensions to this. Uh, uh, first of all, if you're going to mess with AI, you're probably going to need lawyers and money. Let's hope you don't need guns, although some people think that's inevitable. Uh, second thing about it is, I I think that uh, I don't. I'm not sure that generative AI in its current form is ever going to write a lyric quite as crisp as this. Uh, you know, think think about how evocative the imagery is and think about how it just hits you in the pit of your gut that this kid's stuck and he doesn't know what to do about it. Um, I, I I think that the current generation of generative AI based on what I've asked it to do, it's passable, but it's not uh, something that you just can't get out of your head the way this lyric affected me when I first heard it. Um, the, the third, uh, however, give generative AI a couple of generations and they're going to outright Warren Zevon and all the other great singer-songwriters of the world. I am convinced that we are on a a path to the point where you ask for you, you tell a generative AI what mood you're in and it'll write you a tune to amplify or suppress that mood as you as you prefer. Then the third thing is is think about the the father mentioned in the song, you know, dad get me out of this. Uh will a generative AI ever be able to figure out how to get the kid out of Honduras? I mean, you know, it's like um, maybe not. maybe maybe that's a thing that's always going to need the human touch. Maybe there's always a need for whatever boots on the ground or or you know people on the phone to fix these kinds of problems. And maybe that's uh, a hopeful sign that tough situations are forever, at least I hope forever going to require the human touch.
2: Thank you very much. Very lyrical, Mr. Byers. I appreciate that. Bob Ficken, you're next. This is a song from the a line from the song Not Afraid by Eminem, a lead single from the 2010 album Recovery. Uh Eminem is credited with popularizing hip hop in Middle America and critically acclaimed as one of the greatest rappers of all times. Woohoo. And here is the quote, I'm not afraid to take a stand. Oh, Bob, what does this have to do with our topic? Oh. oh.
1: I think it has everything to do with it, Bonnie. I mean, the choice we have to make using kind of paraphrasing one of Steve Jobs quotes is good companies wait for the future to occur and then react to it. Great companies decide the future they want and create it. And I think that's the choice that everyone has to make with AI right now. Either you can continue to resist it and try to find ways to stall it and avoid it and all that. Or you can look at it and say, what kind of future do we want? And how can AI help us create that? And that is the question everyone should be asking. You know, so I think that it's important. You know, I I felt fairly alone in the higher education world. You know, for five years, I've been asking, what does the classroom of 2035 need to look like? And the answer is, I don't know that we need a classroom in 2035. I don't know that we need any buildings at all. You know, mm-hmm. we'll have to see. It's going to be interesting, you know, and as far as HR goes, you know, HR is talking a, a, a lot about AI, but from a budgetary viewpoint, out of some 500 HR executives surveyed by McKinsey, no one has committed a budget to it for the next year, hmm. which I yeah. find pretty interesting.
2: Very interesting, and that's that's about the human side. The humans are the ones committing the budget, right, Bob? Still Absolutely. People? There you go, there's our human side. Nancy Schick has sent us a line from uh, moving to Montana, Frank Zappa, and the Mothers of Invention on the 1973 studio album titled Overnight Over N I T E Sensation. Okay, and here's the line I might, everybody, listen up, I might be moving to Montana soon just to raise me up a crop of dental floss. Oh, Nancy, I don't know if it is anybody familiar with this line? Raise it up it,
0: and it, waxing it down. I
6: am familiar it. There you
2: with it. go. Nancy, so related to our topic. Go ahead. Well, when I
6: originally used this quote, I was thinking about just you know, when dental floss became, you know, an opportunity and AI being an opportunity. But I think it's, um, it's evolved even more since I originally submitted that, which is, you know, how it's now applying to remote work, you know, people moving, yeah, literally moving to Montana, (laughs) right? And so how that will, will play into how we use AI, and then how we, we kind of segment out again what we're all saying those very human elements of work and and offloading the things that look we humans already hate right <laughs> it's like we don't we don't really enjoy the repetitive tasks that a robot can do for us so segmenting them out and giving us an opportunity to use our brains and be challenged and be creative I think it's scary right now but imagine what we can do when we're every day using the best parts of ourselves at least a little
2: the best parts of ourselves interesting thank you all for reprising your quotes i didn't make you work and bring me new quotes i want to make it easy but i was reflecting back to the word human you many of you brought up just now and i'm thinking when i read my opening today and i told you i took my opening i gave it to chat gpt and i said write me a more humorous eh, upbeat level version of my my writing I'm the human who read it. It was just words, right? It was just words on digital words. It wasn't even printed out. I'm the one who brought it to life. So the human in me had to interpret what ChatGPT said it thought I wanted to say. So there was that human element. Oh, I'm just reading with ChatGPT. No, I put my interpretation on it and I referenced a lot of you who were not in the script of that. Anyway, enough, enough, enough. Let's go to the predictions. I've asked each of you to send me one or two Fresh predictions on your area of expertise, your industry, your career, your profession related to our topic today, which is just the future of anything slash everything and AI. So let's do our potpourri or whatever we're going to call it, our stew, our everything. Okay. So Eric Simoni, I got to get used to that kid. You really should have corrected me about three years ago. I'm very embarrassed. Eric, here's prediction number one, and let's have you take uh, take about two to three minutes. And if anybody wants to comment on it, you know, wiggle one of your polite fingers at me, not the mean one, one of the nice fingers, and I will call on you for a one-minute commentary. So Eric says, Internet of Things, IoT, and AI will converge across all devices, making everything, and he puts that in quotes, we interact with more intuitive that will finally deliver the true smart home experience we've all been waiting for, allowing us to use single voice commands like make my coffee and where are my car keys, just like in Star Trek. Can I make a comment, two words, Eric? If only. Eric, talk to us. How far away is this?
3: Uh, I think we're within five years of this being truly usable, right? We've gone through fits and starts with Alexa and and Google Home and these other things. And it's been a real painful experience up to this point. I think anyone who's tried it will agree. But you're going to start to see, look, there's already news articles about what Amazon's doing with Alexa and AI. But to me, look, if you've ever watched Star Trek or the Jetsons, right? That reality is coming where you can just say something out loud in your kitchen and one of your appliances will pick it up and say, you know, make me a a dish of beef chow mein or order it from Lee Ho Fuchs. There you go, Warren Zevon, right? Um, But make, you know, I want my life to be easier, right? I am, as I get older, I am less patient. The computer scientist in me is not as patient as it once was. I want things to happen in, in, in a simple way. And we're seeing the convergence of this technology already happening. I'm seeing it with my customers around the world, uh, what they're doing with robotics more consumer devices we've been more historically in the industrial side of things right in transportation but now that we're we're working with a lot of consumer devices there's a lot of connectivity happening and if you look at gen AI that's what all these companies are working towards right making their uh, their end user their customer experience more fruitful more more seamless and and adding these capabilities so, I think about five years out is a, is a good estimation of when we'll start to be happy with these these experiences
2: eric will we be able to say to whatever ai we're speaking to in our home i'm not in the mood for a full caffeine i really need a decaf something this morning will it be able to will the system be able to have it put in the pod for oh, the yeah. decaf for, it will okay i, I and, know
3: companies working on this already right and That's eric what Keurig is doing
2: throwback Eric what is the computer behind you on the desk I asked you when you were on recently everybody wants to know what is that relic
3: that is a fully functional Apple IIe. Uh, I also have a diskette in there wizardry if anyone remembers wizardry um, that's showing you that I did not have many dates in high school but I had a <laughs> lot of computer time
2: <laughs> that's lovely thank you any quick comments on the smart home the, the prediction from Eric Okay, we're gonna move on. Thank you, Tom Madonna. This is a layered prediction here, I'm calling it. You say, as AI inva- advances and learns from itself. Ah, large language models. Our research and analytics abilities will advance in exponential fashion across all industries, including, I'm gonna read both of these together. The number of permutations needed to research a new drug for cancer research or new vaccination against a new disease, reduce time to market, lower costs, Variances and side effects with each version tested. That's number one. And number two, hands-free driving across any road globally, since it could process and use all the variations, maps that exist in all different media, paper, electronic, radar, etc. Let's talk about the drugs and then the driving. Tom, you're up.
4: Sure. So my uh, my daughter is an actual cancer research at Duke. Um and and doing such, you know, they go through hours upon hours of research, and then all the FDA approval processes that go with it. What happens when you give that to a computer and let the computer model actually go through and do that? How many hours uh, are going to be saved in regards to those research you know, looking? Second, you know, going back to the same conversation about alpha zero, um, once you give the, the program the direction of what's going to do, what are all the different permutations actually going to exist when it comes out? You know, are there going to be drugs that are going to be uh, able to do two or three things based upon different variations, different uh, protein sprites, et cetera? So I think the the addition of efficiency, cost, and reduction of human uh, touching is still going to be there. Obviously, the FDA will continue to monitor that, support it, and, uh, and, and govern it. But uh, I do think that's going to be a huge reduction in time to market. Start talking about hands-free driving, you know. Let it be Blue Cruise or uh, Super Cruise, and you know I love the love the commercial, love the "We Will Rock You" uh, song. But at this point in time, uh, that particular variation is only currently available on 200 roads in North America. All of those roads are are basically um, interstates, so there really isn't an ability to go through it. I, you know, one of the things that got put out, uh, uh, Bonnie sent me a, a note last week in regards to Zoom's uh, approval uh, for uh, not Zoom. Um, a uh, robotaxi's approval in uh, san francisco and so part of that was the ability to one do the mapping be able to do the integration uh be able to have vehicle talking to vehicle vehicle talking to uh, traffic as well as uh, traffic cams and, and cameras to allow for that to be a more uh safe as well as effective way of driving i believe as we start to look at Those variations, we start looking at supercomputing, we start looking at the execution. It's not going to be a camera mapping that's going to have to be the only thing that's going to be working into these uh, variations. It's going to be the ability to take all the data and apply it to it. I think one of the other interesting pieces uh, that just got announced is a new car that's uh, actually going to have uh, both water as well as uh, EV execution. 300 of them will hit the road over the course of the next year. Um, Right now, the vehicle uh, runs around 1000 horsepower and uh, basically charges in about five minutes. So as you start to think about the variations in the execution, what's occurring within the industry, how the industry is adapting, how uh, technology and safety are part of it, there are going to be, you know, several things outside the home uh, that we'll be able to, to start to use. And, uh, as soon as I get a coffee pot that can uh, do that, uh, I'll be buying it shortly <laughs> because, uh, you know, having having coffee ready without having to stand there is a, is a nice thing, uh, let alone having uh, an individual cup. There don't, you go. don't too much care about the decaf, but at this point in time, <laughs> uh, having it done is there.
2: I do. Tom and everybody, if you look behind me, I'm going to duck here. This is one of the uh, AI-generated car images that I created for the show, Tom and I did recently. We've done two episodes on the future of everything automotive and AI. And the subtitle of those shows, one was, What Would George Jetson Say? And the follow-up is, What Would Jane Jetson Say? So this was a car (laughs) I created with text prompts for Jane in case she likes pink nothing to do with the Barbie movie thank you very much I'll go back to my other I had one more here's a little more a little more of a vroom car, a little vroom car. There you go. So that's what I came up with. And here's one more. I don't know what show I did this for, Tom, but it wasn't for the one you were on. I think it was somebody else. <laughs> I'm going back to my standard background so people know who I am. Thank you, Tom. Mary Nunnally, let's go to, you've got two predictions here, and I think there's a way to link them together. So the first one you say, AI will support teachers in the classroom, especially in the online learning space, by incorporating, being incorporated as chatbots into e-learning lessons or hybrid lessons, and providing customized feedback to learners on their quizzes, written assignments, and built-in support for learners who may need remediation and acceleration in their experience. That's the first one. The second one, in the corporate learning space, so the theme here for Mary is learning. AI will be used to provide just-in-time skills and knowledge training to employees. Pulling from generative AI and LLMs, employees can type in the subject or question or custom lessons will be created on demand. You could see something like this at learn.xyz site, although not employer specific. Mary, you're up, talk to me.
5: All right, so I'm gonna start by going backwards. I'm of a certain age where I remember being in school and teachers freaking out when calculators came about. (laughs) And it's like, oh my gosh, if you don't know paper and pencil, you know, calculators are banned. And now we carry calculators and computers in our pockets every day and we don't think twice about it. And it's that same sort of thing. And, and the articles I've been reading recently, and Bob, you've probably seen some of this as well, about you know, faculty are concerned about how they're going to eliminate using chat GPT and generative AI in the classroom instead of thinking about how am I going to incorporate it? How am I going to teach the students? Because guess what? We're not helping them as students or employees by banning it. What we need to do is say, here's the risks. Here's what you need to think about. You know, you still need to fact check, just like with the calculator. If I didn't know that three times seven is 21 and I punched the wrong button, I'm gonna think it's the right answer because I didn't go back and fact check it or I didn't do my times tables. So it's the same thing. From an education faculty standpoint, we're already starting to do this in some of the courses we're building. We can use a little bit of code and a student types in an answer to a quiz and now instead of like sticking with multiple choice, true, false, matching you can really do fill in the blank for example and provide robust feedback and I know most faculty hated when I was at the college teaching doing those kind of thought questions fill in the blank because if it was computer graded and you didn't put in every permutation of how a student might spell a word or something that would get it wrong and you'd spend more time with the student going yeah you're right green should have been spelled g-r-e-e-n but you spelled it a g-r-e-a-n and you know yeah i know what you were going so this way the ai can integrate and provide helpful feedback from the employee employer perspective again i see this where I need this one skill, I use it once a year, let's say employee evaluations. I took a training class on it five years ago when I became a manager. Now I can use the generative AI that my company uses, I can type in employee evaluations, how do I talk to a poor performer, and I can have a custom lesson built for me that allows me to even practice the conversation because there's ai tools out there now that will let you practice having conversations and so this is where i see the real plus in the real future of course we've got to put some guardrails, but that's how i see it changing in that learning space both in schools and in in workflows
2: thank you very much and the concerns the naysayers who say all jobs are going to become for humans extinct and you're not going to have a place to work if if you think about this upskilling, this reskilling, this learning something new and better, and maybe that'll use your brain more than somebody said, we're tired of those repetitive, oh my goodness, do I have to do it again? Charlie Chaplin on the assembly line. Well, Mm -hmm. that's where this is gonna come in. That's where the e-learning will be powerful. Thank you, Mary. Chuck Byers, let's go to your prediction number one. A lot to unpack here. You say AI is going to be a key contributor to the future of the Internet of Things, IoT. It's already used in applications like machine vision and manufacturing process optimization soon it will be used in areas like sustainability big topic today improving energy use raw material use waste stream reduction in digital twins creating models of systems that can describe their own operation predict their future states perform real-time control loop optimization you're giving me big words here chuck and the creation of custom documentation i'm going to stop there chuck take it away
0: well, the Internet of Things is really about sensors, things that uh, take the physical world and turn them into electronic signals, and actuators, things that take electronic signals and influence the physical world, like, say, valves and pumps and stuff. And then the computing resources necessary to tie those two things together. We make this big loop. We sense, we compute, we actuate, and then the thing that we're controlling kind of closes that loop, and the sensor makes sure that the actuation happened as expected, That's the way that things like the volume control on your Alexa work. That's the way that oil refineries keep from blowing up. That's the way the analog brakes on your locomotives work. All that stuff. The interesting thing is that the AI systems are going to help us with that compute piece because it's really difficult for humans to think of all different permutations of what's going to happen with all the different thousands of sensor readings that might come in at something like a locomotive. But an AI can project that and decide what if. What's going to happen if a certain thing, a certain signal appears, if a certain condition occurs? And maybe it knows how to just modulate that brake air pressure just perfectly so that train stays on the rails. That would be helpful to everybody. I think we'd agree. And AI gives us another tool in the toolbox on how we might optimize these increasingly complex control systems. The other thing that might be really interesting with AI is its ability to do stuff that's kind of creative. So, and, and what does creativity mean in the worlds of sensors and actuators? It's about learning things that may not necessarily be obvious relationships, like I change the pressure of my oil refinery here and the temperature goes up there, but I may have not realized that the process is linking those things in a certain way. Once I get that, once I understand that, I can build what's called a digital twin of that refinery, uh, a simulation that receives real-time uh, sensor readings and then maybe projects forward 100 different scenarios. What happens if I tweak this valve or change that pressure? And then it goes through and it takes the one scenario that works the best and sends it back to control the actual system. Those digital twins exist in lots of things, in transportation, smart cities. There's even a project to make a digital twin of a human. And, you know, think of the system surrounding the human and all of the sensors and actuators that could control the life of that human. Um, Interesting future projection. I'm not sure we're quite ready for that yet, but it is one of those inevitabilities.
2: Thank you. I'm thinking of the song, all of me, just take all of me. Yeah, okay. Uh, I recently, I do a show on Monday nights called Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives, where I interview, I, I have a round table similar to this, but three or four guests talking about how they use creativity, what it means to them, whether they're writers or whether they're landscapers or whether they're singers or whether they design retreats for people. It could be anything, architects, doctors, therapists, coaches, anybody. And I recently found a definition, a very quick one of creativity. Chuck, I think you'll appreciate this. Creativity is intelligence having fun. Ah, nice. You like that? I have yeah, to look absolutely. up I have to look up the attribution for that. I I think Nancy's writing it down. I thought that was really, really cool. A nice way to put it. Intelligence having fun. Yes, it is. Thank you. Bob Ficken got two quick predictions for you and Nancy you know your next I'll put them in the chat for you Bob says let me go to the second one first Bob says AI will enable HR we used to call it human resources then it was human asset management something like that to access and analyze large amounts of data to gain insights and make better decisions I assume we're talking about hiring and and uh, bringing people on board and staffing some kind of organization the second one is AI will enable a more personalized and adaptive learning experience for students it will help students learn critical thinking, creativity, there's that word again, and problem-solving skills by engaging them in interactive simulations, games, and scenarios. Bob, you're up. Go for it.
1: So we'll take the HR one first, Uh, just to give you a quick example. Just this morning, I needed to create uh, 20 interview questions for a particular role, and I had to make a quick decision, and it was an easy one. Do I want to spend two hours researching this and contacting HR peers and learning best questions and all that? Or do I want to type it into chat GPT? In about three seconds, I had 20 open-ended questions that were perfect. And that's this example. When you talk about hiring, I want to make sure we're being specific where we can be. What HR can do with AI is we can use it to schedule interviews. We can use it to automatically email applicants to thank them for their application, to keep them warm and the In the fold of things, we can do that, but we can't yet use AI to make selections because no one yet has the ability to prove whether it's biased or not or unbiased, more specifically. So we can use it for tactical things, but not to make the actual hiring decision. But it's able to take huge amounts of data, like I had to do an uh, EEO report, and it was able to crunch all the data of all the ethnicities of all my worker population, a report that normally takes me about six hours and do it in about
5: 22
1: seconds. <laughs> you know, so it's pretty incredible. On the education one, what I think one of the tough things for us to deal with is as professors and as administrative personnel, whatever our role is where does it stop and what's the end and i think most of us are uncomfortable with the fact there is no end in generative ai it's going to constantly learn and get better and better and better and it always will you know so what we're going to have to do is first of all stop fighting and I, and I heard was it Nancy or Mary one of them earlier said that you know we need to get educational institutions to stop fighting this and instead embrace it but to give you a couple of examples mm-hmm. uh, in my classes already without the input or direction of my university, what I do when I issue a student in an assignment is I have them submit two papers. I have them submit one paper and I give them the prompt to feed into the AI model of their choice. They submit the AI paper, and then they create their own individual paper that annotates the AI paper, tells me what they agree and disagree with. And you know, then they turn that in, so that I can see they're developing not only the critical thinking and making the objectives of the assignment, but they're also learning how to use AI. And I think that's just the cusp of where this is going to go. I think within five to ten years, we're going to see individual learning programs developed for every individual student at every level. And that's going to require a lot more work, probably a lot more teachers, a lot more administrators, but we're gonna to have to have people with AI backgrounds and technology backgrounds that can create individualized, customized learning programs for every student and then measure their progress along that curve and using like Bloom's taxonomy to always make sure you're at the right level, just above where they're currently at and not so far of a stretch that they get overwhelmed or frustrated, but we're gonna be able to do that. And within that same time frame, we're gonna be able to expose students at every level to real-life examples of what they're studying instead of in a book. You know, you'll be able to watch, you know, the Revolutionary War. You'll be able to watch a presidential inauguration in real time. And you know, you'll be able to do anything using VR goggles and AI. You can walk with the door, the dinosaurs as they forage. You know, know, I mean, it's going to be incredible, you know, but the learning is going to grow exponentially instead of retention being in the low 30 percentile from touching one sense only. We're going to touch three or more and be able to hit up into the 70th percentile. It's going to be incredible.
2: When you said dinosaurs foraging, I'm thinking of going into one of those open buffets with the salad <laughs> table and the hot table. I'm sorry. I just haven't been to one of those in years. They're always dangerous. Chuck, you had your finger up and you told me in the chat. Go ahead. One minute.
0: I did. a question for Bob, basically. And, and that is a little bit more about how you run your classroom in this brave new world of, of open AI. And I, I applaud you, first of all, for not fighting against what is inevitable. But the question, and, and I also think that's a great idea to, to have the students show you the the raw output from their chosen AI engine, and then show how they annotated it, what the, what the final product ought to look like, because that skill of going from one to the other is essential in the workplace. My real question to you is, do you intend to teach them how to write a good generator phrase? You know, ask the AI the questions, scope the problem, try to avoid the bias trap falls that ultimately stem from an incorrectly or carelessly written generation phrase. Uh, What what do you think about that as a skill that's, you know, maybe as important as calculus?
2: Bob, one minute answer,
1: go ahead. Sure, not only do I agree with that, Chuck, but I don't think that's just for students. I think everyone has to learn how to write. Really good, well-designed AI prompts. That's going to become a part of every job. Yep. You know, at different levels, obviously, but we're all going to have to learn how to do that. So, yeah, I think that's crucial. Now, that's not my expertise, so I got to find someone like you or Tom or somebody, or you know, to come in and teach that. Mary, part get now. get
2: Mary, Mary and Nancy. By the yeah. way, I uh, I thought about an idea my mom had, and she, she passed away in 2017 at the age of 100, and she used to tell us a little story. I won't tell you the character, but it was an animal character and a, and a farmer next door, and it was a very cute story, and she just made up all these stories. So I remembered them, and I put in a one line to ChatGPT this morning, write me the introduction to a children's story about, and I named the character, not the was a cat, and the farmer whose named McGregor. In less than three seconds, it returned a story that was so incredibly on point for everything that my mother had mentioned in her narrative to me and my sister when we were little girls. I read it to my daughter who's visiting and her mouth dropped open. She said, what? I said, isn't this what grandma was talking about? Isn't this the type of story? We, we were absolutely, it was a one sentence prompt. That was it. It was it was absolutely beautiful. I'll send it to some of you later on if you want. Let's go to Nancy Schick. We've saved the last two spots for Nancy here. We've got two predictions, and you said you're going to make these nice. So I'm going to read the first one. Nobody has touched on this yet. You say courts and government agencies will use more AI to reduce backlogs, yay, and increase access to justice, but they will also do it ineffectively and cause a backlog of appeals or decrease access to justice. That's one, and Nancy's not gonna do doom and gloom. And the second one is people will continue to delegate entire projects to the bots and thereby show their incompetence. I'm gonna stop there. Nancy, turn this around for us. What's the good side? Go ahead.
6: The good side is that we're warning you now that you are human and you're very likely to use the AI ineffectively. We're already seeing that happen. I think when I was on the show previously, I had predicted and um And one of my colleagues on that had, uh, we had predicted that there would be an attorney that would get in trouble. We predicted it would happen maybe a year or so out. We did not expect it to happen a month after that show. (laughs) And so I don't even know if it was a month, but it was definitely within those first few weeks. So uh, really what I see it with this is we're already, the, the people that are afraid of, of this, you know, courts using it, and I got into a big discussion about this recently, people are afraid that the courts are going to delegate all of it, and they will if they're not careful, right? That's my call to action for the courts and all the government agencies that are going to be using this for their decision-making, then Please do not do it without more guidance, right? Listen to Chuck talking about how you can have multiple different models and look at human behavior in a lot of different ways, right? To come to the conclusion, and I can foresee where that's going, that's for another show. But it's really about taking that time. We've already been systemizing, then we started automating. So AI is the next piece of that automation, but we have to slow down and make sure that that human element is still there, or we will, as as legal professionals, end up causing that backlog, not delivering the justice that we want. I think it's very well intended to try and push things through quickly, but we're already seeing it with automation that we get decisions then that you can't appeal that are not just. So we have to be very careful and kind of slow that down and make sure that we're carefully setting these bots up and training that data to deliver the justice that we want.
2: Thank you. And I think Mary mentioned the word, Bob, one second. Mary mentioned the word guardrails. And I think Chuck mentioned something about rails in another context, Bob Ficken, I can give you one minute. Go.
1: I just thought it was curious when uh, Nancy was talking about the courtrooms and judges and how they're going to assimilate AI. I was thinking about baseball at some levels, is always, is already using AI to call balls and strikes. And I thought, well, if they can do that on a diamond, maybe we can figure out how to use it in the court.
6: (laughs) We missed the we missed the uh, uh, being able to yell at the umpire. That's a big part of baseball. Come on.
2: I wonder if there'll be a new job description of somebody who would be not on the sidelines, but standing by to say, this AI didn't do an accurate job of research. The LLM, the model is not current. For example, ChatGPT, we all know, stops at about November 2021. It can't search the web. It's not looking for anything current. It doesn't even know who I am. I'm not sure I've Googled any, of, put any of you into it, but I, I recently had a friend who's a novelist who writes deep uh, water undersea diving mysteries, looking for treasure. And he's a really good writer, so I put his name into ChatGPT, and I said, his name is Paul Mila, M-I-L-A, and I said, tell me what books Paul Mila has written, and it gave me six books, only four of which were actually by Paul, so I sent him a list. I said, I didn't know you had these last two novels, and he said, they're not mine. It just either made them up, or it took somebody else that thinks I'm hosting somebody else's show. So if you have a human position to stand there and give those guardrails and say, no, I did the full research and that's not true or that's not accurate or that's not helpful, then we have the prompts and then we have the the guardrail people. Interesting industry might pop up. Anybody have a quick comment on that before we close? Bob, uh, Chuck, one, one second, go. Go
0: check. Uh, yeah, the, the the way that we might provide guardrails without lots of government intervention or thousands or millions of people all vetting the output of the AI is to ping multiple AIs against each other. So if you've got a, a, a similar Ooh. result from chat GPT and, and uh, the Microsoft version and Bert and Coda and Llama and Hugging Face and all these different ones, what you can do is ask the same question to four different ones. And then you have a meta AI, there's a new thing, that looks at (laughs) the outputs and smashes them together into a thing that may have somewhat less opportunity for hallucination and bias and incorrect fact checking and absolute data models. May have. Yeah, I, don't, I? It's it's Battle not a panacea, of, but it's better than the hallucinations. Battle
2: that I of the bots.
0: We need William Battle of
6: the bots.
2: Nancy. Two seconds. We got to close. I just okay. want to Nancy, point go. back Quick. to
6: something that Mary had had mentioned, um, and and that is that we still need to have some somebody who's an expert, just like with the calculator, right? So that uh, so that somebody is able to to look at all of that data across the four bots and still determine whether it's accurate. And that's going to be a human
2: thank you hugs to you all this was a lot of fun everybody raise your finger we're going to say on the Ken of three no 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 people say the future is already here and our answer is one two three no 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 come on join me one no 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 i heard a couple oh, no. of those in there that's because that was today's future and our future hasn't happened yet let's make it a better one bonnie d signing off